everybody, welcome to another episode of Repeater. Um, my name is Evan Barden. I'm joined as always by Pat Cartelli. Pat, what's up? Oh, you know, just sitting here in a really hot, 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 hot New York day. How are you? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. Yes, it is a hot New York day here in New York, um, where and when we are recording. And um, yeah, summer is definitely, definitely upon us. Um, that is that is for sure. I just got back from Vermont, though. And I was telling oh, Pat, nice. yeah, I was telling Pat just before we got on, it's a nice 10 degrees cooler up there. You know, it's really kind of sure. like really keyed into summer weather right now uh, in Vermont. If anyone has yeah. a chance to get up there. <laughs> that sounds nice. It's real nice. Um, and uh, for listeners, that, that other voice you're hearing today, we are joined uh, by singer, songwriter and mu- musician Annie Keating. Annie, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me. Pleasure. Yeah, um, we're excited to have you. You know, we we talk to a lot of comedians and actors and writers on this show, and I would say every once in a while, Pat, we get to talk to a bona fide musician about music. Uh, in fact, I think the last episode we have out when this drops will have been also with uh, a musician, Eric Garlington of the band Proper. Um, nice. But boy, is it exciting to talk to real musicians who know their stuff. Uh, oh, Because we are amateurs. And we always <laughs> want emph- to emphasize that to anybody. You know, we're fans. Um, we're fans. Uh, but, but yeah, it's really nice to have you on, Annie. Oh, it's, it's great to be on. I'm nothing I like more than talking about music, though. So. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Um, we always get started with something we've been listening to recently, some kind of music wreck. Um, Pat, what do, you, what do you have for us this week? Well, shocking everybody, the thing that I have been listening to is uh, the new Mountain Goats record released. Mm-hmm. And I Ooh. came to my front door the other day, a few days early. Um, I feel like most episodes we record, the Mountain Goats are like the song I recommend. But I, I think this is, I think this might be Mountain Goats number three for this season so far. So you're on a good pace. There are three albums that came out in the past year. So <laughs> it's working in my advantage. Uh, but I would recommend the song Dark in Here. Uh, Really enjoy the lyrics. Um, I just watched mm. Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid for the first time. Okay. And it like... Okay. Classic. Love yes. it. Love it. Uh, <laughs> love it. And it, that song very much... But who's cuter is the question. Who's cuter? Is it is it Paul Newman or Robert Redford? I mean... That's, it's tough. It's tough. Paul Newman has the... I, mean, I know who's cuter for me, but I don't know. I mean, I've been thinking a lot about that bicycle scene. And like, that's a pretty cute <laughs> scene. So, okay. well, Pat, I think we need you to pick. I think that's what Andy's saying. You got to weigh it. I mean, <sighs> we we obviously both have our votes locked in. Yeah. But can you start us off? Oh, sure. Um, I, yeah, I'm going to go Paul Newman on that. Oh, okay. wow. Yeah. I mean, Not Newman. Cool hand Luke. Truly incredibly handsome. Uh, hard to beat. Unless you're Tough. Robert Redford. And in that case, oh. you know, that's going to be my pick. <laughs> that's my pick too, man. I'm with you. Yeah. All right. I mean, I mean, it's a, there are a couple of heartthrobs. It's no denying that. You it's know? tough. Yeah, that was not easy. Yeah, Pat, you're not wrong. It's just we have you're different opinions. That's it's, all. Yeah, I'm okay being outnumbered on that. But yeah. um, I might have been, I got so excited by this, I might have missed. Um, how does that movie connect to this new Mountain Goats ah. album? <laughs> the it It very much... Uh, it seems like an album of characters that are all like running from something or mm. have escaped something or maybe are in the midst of escaping from something and it very much reminds me of the lat so the song Dark in here 
very much reminds me of the last scene in Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Ah, uh, cool. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to check that out right after this. Yeah, that sounds like a good... That also sounds like a good one-two kind of like media punch, you know? Yeah. Like watch a movie, listen to a new album, or vice versa. A classic yeah. and a new one. Connect it. Connect it. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, th- what I've been listening to lately, and this is a, a beautiful coincidence. Uh, it's a little bit of a, a a preview for what the big song we're going to talk about today. But um, I've been really listening a lot to You Never Even Called Me By My Name by David Allen Coe. Oh, um, yes. Which is... Uh, sort of a, it's a pretty funny song. It's a, it's a, kind of a, I don't know, much beloved, much hated by country music, maybe kind of both. Um, but the reason I've, I've been listening to it a lot recently is if anyone's listening to this show and they like to hear people talk about music, I cannot recommend enough. Um, Tyler Mahan Co's podcast, Cocaine and Rhinestones. He tracks the, the history of country music in the 20th century. And he, a few weeks ago, I think he just, re-released or maybe unlocked from his patreon a video right before the new season of cocaine and rhinestones dropped he um a new video of him explaining and talking about this song because his father is david allen Coe, and he's kind of talking about the wow that's so cool he's kind of talking about the story of how this song came to be the kind of legacy that it has um it's a really a deep dive on how this song got written and um i think despite david allen Coe making this song really famous it was sort of secretly i'll put in quotes written by uh john prine and steve goodman uh who kind of didn't want much association with it after the fact which was all part of the story um so i've been listening to that song and i think appreciating it in a new way because it is i don't know it's almost like a parody song um of its of its day but but wildly popular can i tell you something funny about that yeah please this is a true story um so i wrote I have a new album out and I wrote all the songs. I wrote 15 songs um, between um, March and September, October. And one of the things that inspired the album, especially the country songs, there's a song I wrote called Hank's Saloon, which is very much like an old school. I just wanted to do like a fun country song. Mm -hmm. And it was inspired by this... um, dear friend who I met, we moved out of Brooklyn and relocated for five months and met some very kind people who kind of took us in and forged these sort of intense connections in this bizarro period of isolation and hardship. So this um, person made me a playlist or shared a playlist with me that was called, you never even call me by my name. And the funny thing was, is I thought he was pissed off at me because his name is Chris, but I was calling him Christopher. Cause you know, some people, you just, it just seems like you're not a Chris, yeah. you're just more of a Christopher. Me. Right. So, uh, and I thought he was like mad and that's why he, he'd like sent me this playlist and he's like, no, Christopher's fine. It's just, that's the title of the first song. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so it's kind of weird that, that you said that because it was like, yeah, that tune kind of launched my journey a little bit um i hadn't written a song for like a a year and i was like walking around listening to this playlist of like a hundred old time great country songs and anyway so oh i love that then i love that yeah there's something in the ether right now i think you know yeah there is definitely um it's that's cool that's really cool um but yeah so anyone out there listening definitely 
well, first of all, give a listen to that song because it's a good time. Um, and then look up uh, look up Taylor Mahan Co.'s explanation of what's going on in that song and check out his podcast. Yeah, I can't wait to listen to that Cocaine and Rhinestones. Cocaine, Cocaine and, and Rhinestones. He does a real yeah. great job. Um, he grew up around this stuff because his dad's a country star. And it's a good it's a good mix of his own experience. And then he has just become like an absolute historian on 20th century music. Oh, that's like so he's cool. really he's just dug in and he's done this whole thing himself. And it's a really great project. Do you guys also do Song Exploder? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Song Exploder is so good. That's a good one, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. in some ways it's almost like you want to do Song Exploder for the birth of George Jones. That's kind of like almost what he does. Yeah. You know, he's like, let's pull apart how George Jones got here. You know, um, yeah, totally. it's cool. Really cool show. Yeah. Uh, awesome. Annie, what's something you've been listening to recently? Um, you know, I've been listening to Chuck Prophet. I hadn't heard listening to him that much in that song, a summertime thing. Mm -hmm. You know that song? No, I don't know. It's it. just, oh, it's great. It's just like such a sexy song. Yeah. And it, it puts me in the in the summertime mindset. Um so yeah, that's that's one thing that kind of turned my head. Oh yeah. I don't even know exactly when he wrote it, if it was like a year ago or three years, I'm not sure. But uh um, a good summer song, it sounds like. Yeah, it's a good summer song. You know, uh, and yeah. that's kind of what I've been needing right now. What do you Summertime think? Thing. What do you kind of think the anatomy of a summer song is? Sexy seems to be a, it's helpful, certainly. Yeah, sexy, sexy seems to be that. Um, yeah, and also like it just makes you want to sing along, makes you want to roll down the car window, yeah. makes you want to like get that cold beer in hand, makes you want to get happy. Yeah. No. Right. It doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be a happy song. Right. Right. But it makes you want to, you know, um, look for that that good time. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. The, the high energy. That definitely. I think that tune will definitely make you want to, you know, roll down the car window and feel the, the hot breeze on your face yeah. and you know, get to the ocean. That's perfect. Yeah. Any song that inspires you to get to the ocean, that's definitely a summer yeah. song. <laughs> I think so. Think so. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I would love um hey, anyone listening, you know, truly if you have summer song suggestions, get at us because we want to hear them. We should uh maybe Pat and I'll throw together a nice little summer song playlist. Oh yeah, that'd we could start, start it off with some Chuck Prophet. That'd be really great. Cause it's a mood that a, and that is a great idea. And it is here. All right. Well, yeah. that's on us now. We gotta do that. It's coming out soon. <laughs> Can't wait to hear it. I wrote it yeah. Down. Thank you, Pat. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Annie, what is the song? What is the song that we're going to talk about today? All right. The song that we are going to talk about today is from my favorite songwriter, tragically lost to COVID, John Prine. And it's, I think, if I'm not getting this wrong, it was the last song that he wrote called I Remember Everything. And, you know, for me, it's, in some ways, it's funny. Because, like, we're talking about summertime songs. In some ways, it is a summertime song. In some ways, it's, like, kind of an end of summertime song. Trying to figure out which it is. Because there's this great line in it that says, um, uh, Your ocean eyes of blue. I miss you in the morning light. Like, the roses miss the dew. Which I'm going to get back to that. So just hold that in your mind for a second. Yeah. But the other line is, um, Swimming pools of butterflies that um slipped right through the net and it's this like so 
that to me is like a summer image. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like all these butterflies yeah. and it's magic. It's like magic in the swimming pool. What a great way to say that. But they slip through the net, which is kind of fall, right? Yeah, it's like, yeah. um, so anyway, uh, the thing, yeah, when he says that line, uh, I miss you in the morning light, like the roses miss the dew, it just gets me in my chest every time. It's like, you could say, like, the roses miss the sunshine, the sun, the water, the rain, but dew is such a tender word. And it's so, like, for me, like, knocks it out of the park yeah. that he says that. he says that I don't know. Like, I would never think to say that in a song. I would never use the word dew. But that's the genius of John, you know? Right. He's, like, he's so tender and lighthearted and funny and vulnerable and, oh god yeah i mean it um it's often right when when things are being missed it's often the smallest things that register the most for us you know we we miss the small things people do we miss the small things about a place and and to some to a large extent i think probably what people miss about john prine are small turns of phrase like that you know such delicate like perfectly placed lyricism it's tough. So it's it's yeah. He's. I mean, it's an, it's a great lyric, and from somebody who it's no surprise that we get that from him, right? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, who else is you know the kind of songwriter that's going to write a song, you know, as a young younger younger man that starts with "I am an old woman," <laughs> yeah, named after my mama. You know, make me an angel from the rise from Montgomery, right? Yeah, make me a poster of an old rodeo. Like, where's to get it? So like he I mean, you know he inhabits other characters and he also inhabits his own yeah i mean one of the things i love about john prine is that he he uh as the story goes he got mo- some of his best material be- by being a mailman right. for years so i mean what a what a good way to catch stories right like imagine him like delivering mail like with with his little butterfly net like kind of <laughs> watching people and thinking about like their stories um yeah He's yeah. getting what in the post. Yeah, yeah, right? Well, and it it's so interesting watching how John uses words and can very succinctly world build. Because this song, to me, like, it, I get, if we're talking about summer songs, this kind of, to me, feels like a late summer evening, like maybe the sun is setting. Yes. and yes, But you does. get it out of just such a tiny part of the lyrics and it just paints the picture. Oh, it does. And you know, that's the thing too, is he's, he can be so funny. He's the only songwriter who makes me just laugh out loud and then cry out loud, you know? And my daughter actually was very sweet. Um, been having sort of a lot of stuff going on, you know, uh, there's COVID and there's the pandemic, which thankfully is hopefully nearly behind us, but also in my, personal world and um so on mother's day she wanted to give me something um and so she sat me down and she said can i give you my mother's day gift she's 18 and i said yeah sure sure love it and she sat down at the piano which is actually right behind me Mm -hmm. um and uh and she sat down at the piano and she said okay you know like close your eyes and she started playing this song and she did this unbelievable like playing and singing rendition of i remember everything and i was just so crying 
because yeah. I thought, what, what a sweet gift, you know? Like, she she paid attention to know it's my current favorite song, and she, you know, she learned it for her old mother. And <laughs> um, anyway, it was yeah. really nice. That's lovely. Yeah. yeah, that's really beautiful. Yeah, it was a, it was a good Mother's Day gift. Yeah. Something that um, I think about with this song as well, and speaking of John Prine's career, is there's a lot of artists I think we we either pay less attention to as they age, right, as they get older, and there's some artists that maybe we feel legitimately or or not, maybe they they fall off their their prime. And John seemed this is the last song he wrote, and he wrote a killer, right, like. Yeah, I mean, he has continued. He's just continued putting out amazing music. Yeah, he's kind of the definition of fine wine, right? I mean, he and he also had a comeback. I mean, I think he kind of was off the radar for a while, Um, and then you know, it was like rearing back. You know, in his whatever sixties, seventies. You know, the other thing, just you know, truth, true story. And maybe it's part of the reason subconsciously I picked the song or I'm thinking about it, but I hadn't written, but before the pandemic, you know, we, I got out of Brooklyn with my family in, as I said, in March, cause things were, were pretty bad here. And I relocated to my mom's um, cottage in Bristol County, Massachusetts, which is why the new album's called Bristol mm. County Tide. But um, I hadn't written a song for like a year and I tend to, once I finish a record, I'm I'm like, okay, I don't think I have another one in me. I'm done. I'm never going to make an album again. And this was, I was very um, lucky to be inspired. Um, and so this is the eighth full length, but I have two EPs. Anyway, I hadn't been writing, but when John Prine got sick, something shifted in me. I mean, there were other things that, that I was, as I said, I was inspired and, mm-hmm. and um learning about the tides and I got a little boat and I was like, mm-hmm. you know, my dog learned to swim. My son learned to fish. I learned to like captain this boat out to the sea. And it was a very like lush kind of awakening, a time of awakening amidst the pandemic backdrop backdrop. So that was intense. But anyway, getting to the John Prine point when he got sick, I remember thinking I got to pick up my guitar and it's enough. Um, I got to, you know, I want to do a song a day, a John Prine song a day while he's in the hospital just to like send out the love on my YouTube channel, you know, and on Instagram and stuff. So I was like playing a song his every day, which is not always easy because some of his his songs are hard to learn. Like all the best, the finger picking is very hard. So it kind of got me focused on playing again. And I was trying to learn these hard songs and I was trying to put them out there, put the love out there for John Prine. And that's when I started writing. So you know, he was part of my like reawakening in terms of this album for sure. And I remember when he died, I think he did an interview with Jason Isbell not long before he died. And, and, um, one of the things he said when, when Jason Isbell asked him, what's this, the kind of secret to it all, like marriage, happiness, songwriting. And he was like, stay vulnerable, mm-hmm. you know, open and true. And, and I thought that word, like a lot of times, especially with like, you know, the world of masculine, toxic masculinity, yeah. <laughs> like vulnerability is not a positive word, right? We try not to be vulnerable. Right. But I think like him saying that, it was just like so 
And I thought a lot about that at the time. And I thought, okay, in terms of my own songwriting now, I want to aspire to John Prime. I want to like try for that open, true, authentic vulnerability. I'm going to let it in. And because I'm like, I write from my uh, core. I'm like an emotional songwriter. I don't really write from here Mm -hmm. as much. Mm -hmm. So that was very um, compelling. I would kind of took it on as a challenge to try and write as as open and vulnerable as I could. Yeah, it's interesting to you know hear him hear about him talking with someone like Jason Isbell because I think about Prine was always a little bit of an outsider, right, to the country world, and obviously some overlap there. But I wonder if his willingness to be vulnerable was a part of that because we you talk about toxic toxic masculinity and there's a lot of that i think in the music world in general for years and years and years um yeah especially with country music you know which is some of the saddest most vulnerable music out there but, totally. but my bet is that off stage a lot of those guys don't want to talk about the stuff that they're singing about on stage if i had to yeah paint in really really broad strokes you know but somebody like prine has, was kind of always an outsider from that and i it's probably a bit because of you know his willingness to be vulnerable and then you see how it influences a new generation like isbel and his i you know yeah. whatever you want to call it like the folks that came up with him i think are really willing to be vulnerable in a way that prine was probably a, one of the direct influences of that oh for sure i mean for sure, I think that's that's true. I also love his humility, you know, like just so humble and like the in the best way. I think I read. I'm pretty sure this is correct. I read an in- interview with him where he said he only has one review framed in his in his house, and it's in his bathroom. And it's like the one of the first reviews of his early work where it trashed him. It was like <laughs> basically said like. <laughs> why would this crooner try and like put songs in the world into the world he like can't sing got it this terrible voice and i love that. that's like framed in the bathroom <laughs> right like all the incredibly you know positive reviews i mean you know john prine is so loved but that's the one he picks yeah <laughs> to look at like when he's going number one or two <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that is a beautiful level of humility. <laughs> uh, all the all the kind things that have been written about him for so long, too. Exactly. Yeah, keep that there. Now I'm going to take this one, put it in the bathroom. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's um. I mean, it's really wonderful that you know his that kind of journey going through his music for you was a jumping off point. Um, yeah, it really was. I mean, I don't know what your sort of. Uh, higher beliefs are or anything like that but there's a lot of people you know i feel like especially musicians will talk about like sometimes there's just energy out there being exchanged and um some people describe it i know as sort of like the songs are up there you grab yours and you hope to hang on to it for a bit but also with this passing of of someone like john prine you wonder kind of like well does that redistribute you know like where does where does that energy go yeah Sure. I mean, I'm a big believer in that it's like all kind of interconnected. I don't know. I don't know if it's, you know, past lives or 
there's actually one of the people I met um, while I was on this road. Um, you know, you meet there. I have a song called Kindred Spirit. Mm-hmm. And it's not that often that it happens, but you guys can probably relate when you meet somebody and it's just this instant, like, whoa, I've like, I've seen you before. You know what I mean? Like, I know you, like your eyes are like familiar. And there's a line in the tune that says, um, uh, searching for, a, for forgiveness for a crime you never did commit but serve the crime, serve the time for it anyhow, because it's easier to take the blame than admit the ways that others failed you growing up in a broken way somehow. Um, and then the first verse, there's a sadness about where you've been. I feel it coming off your skin. I look behind your eyes like you've been stung. Mm. Um, but I guess what I'm saying is like, sometimes you, you meet somebody where it's like you recognize it's like um, echoes of your own past yeah, mm-hmm. or yeah. echoes of their past in you. And a funny thing happened with this particular person is who's a very um, strong together, not sensitive sort of guy. Mm-hmm. But when he heard one of these songs, um, it was one of the first ones I wrote, it just brought him crying. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, and I think music has this way of getting, it can just get right to your core, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. And there's, when you were talking about energy, like where does John Prine's energy go? I mean, I just think it's this, um, so much of what we do and how we move through the world affects um, another person, affects other things. um, And and I do believe that music at its best is connection. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I've had a lot of people with this kindred spirit song. Part of the reason I belabored the lyrics, I've had like a lot of emotional reaction about that particular tune. Like people DMing me or like messaging me. Like, I know you don't know me, so you couldn't have written that song about me or for <laughs> me, but it feels like you did. Yeah. So like, because it like so resonates. And like, for me, that's the greatest compliment. If, yeah. if I can have like somebody say to me, not somebody I know, but somebody I don't know say to me like, oh man, that, that like moved me, that got me in my chest. Then it's like, okay. Um, that's the greatest sort of compliment, I think. Yeah. The songwriter. Yeah. I, having never written a song, um, it's always super interesting to me to, First of all, think about what happens to a song once it goes out there. The difference between like playing it in your house for yourself versus other people receiving it. Like they are intaking right. the art. Um, that must be such an exciting place to be in. And just to say to you, in listening to your album, there are multiple people, characters, whatever we want to refer to them as that. I found myself going, oh, I want to know more about that person. Like, <laughs> like mm-hmm. they were there, and I, I really liked that about this. And it felt like they were... It felt as if I was going somewhere and, like, traveling and just getting vignettes of people to a place I've never been, but a place that felt familiar. Oh, cool. So that was really cool. Yeah, great. Oh, thank you for saying yeah, that. Yeah, of course. I mean, I also think that some of the best 
writing for me or some of my favorite albums have this like specificity, mm-hmm. but it's also universal. Like, so I can be talking about these, these characters, or I can be talking about learning about the tides and, you know, um, but you may, you know, when you hear the word like, you, you know, blue moon tide, or you're listening to the song, you're going to bring your own experience to like the, where, what, what does that conjure up for you in terms of your memories of being by the ocean? of ties of maybe being on a boat yourself or whatever. And one of the things I like is that we, we kind of two things. One is bring our own experience to somebody else's song, but then we also kind of enter and occupy their experience. Like if you're a sensitive listener, which you are, you're actually like, Oh, what is the other person trying to say to me? Not just like what is you know, mm-hmm. what does this bring up in terms of my own memories or life? Um, but yeah, I mean, I think about somebody like Neil Young who, you know, like this, a song like uh, After the Gold Rush. I was lying in a burned out basement, you know, with the blue moon in my eyes or whatever. Um, uh, what are the, the lyrics uh, where the, the friend tells a lie, burnt out basement. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, he's great at like, he has these really specific things that I kind of have no idea what he's talking about. Yeah. Powder finger and, po- you know, like, but, but you kind of know. Because it's this universal feeling that he cre- that he kind of gets a- gets across. You know, he's a very um, raw writer, I think, in that way. Yeah. But I love that. I mean, so that's something I strive towards is like, you know, what actually I think is evocative and gets to universal feelings of longing or loneliness or love is actually specificity, ironically. Yeah, because it's like going back to the prime song when he says something like the the swimming pools of butterflies that slip right through the net. Mm-hmm. It's like we know that. Oh boy, I feel that in my in my chest. Yeah. Whereas if he said any number of other things that weren't that, it would not land as emotional. You know, yeah. it wouldn't have the specificity that that creates that image. I think with a lot of lyrics you know if the listener if the listener has a little bit of a question sometimes that is the most effective you know almost like where did that image come from with the songwriter or what exactly what exactly do they mean by that i know that i have my interpretation but it's it's a little it's so specific sometimes that you're not exactly sure what they mean and i think sometimes that's the most effective because it really does draw you in like has you has you lean in right it has you curious about what's going on while also you know you understand it well enough and those that's a really beautiful and fine line to be able to walk yeah 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 i wanted to ask too because i that really resonates with me when you're saying you know somebody you don't know reaches out they find that this song really hit them what is it like for you as an artist to play that song for the actual person that that song is inspired by or for, you know, do you feel, do you get nervous? Do you feel a responsibility? Do you feel like you it's, mean, a, it's like, you know, showing them love, you know? Oh, so you mean if like uh, in the example I gave you, if there's a, and to play it for them either at a show or just, just a recording of it. Yeah. To them. Or just, and even just I, know that they listen to it, for example. I think it's really powerful. I mean, you know, it, it's more, I would say what you, what you just said, 
it's showing them love. Mm. And in fact, if somebody has an intense reaction like that, um, to me, it's an opportunity to connect and to say, okay, wait, let's talk about that. Like, wh- where did that song land for you? You know, mm-hmm. like if that was like a kind of direct hit to your present or to your past, because a lot of times I think it's the past too that, they, mm-hmm. that it's being tapped into. Um, then it's like a way to uh, kind of open up to each other. Like, what did, yeah, what did that tap into? Tell me, like, you know. Um, my idea of a podcast that I want to do is uh, the overshare with Danny K. <laughs> uh-huh. Oversharing. Yes. Because I'm kind of, I like to get to the heart you, of that. You like, right? you like um, big talk, not small talk. Like, yeah, let's exactly. get in there. I mean, there's, there's the weather and that's cool and, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, whatever. But I, <laughs> I feel like in my songs and in stuff like this, it's just, it's really fun to get to the meat of it. You know? For sure. Uh, and so. it feels like even kind of circling back to vulnerability you know playing a song for someone who yeah i mean that is sharing a part of you and i and for some reason i mean this in a way that's not even like hey the song you're included in it there's lyrics that are about you it's also just willing to say that to that like to present it to them just the act of presenting it i think in and of itself is vulnerable because how many artists have created something inspired by someone and they know that they've seen it. They know that it's gotten around, it's gotten back to them somehow. Um, but how many of them sit with kind of like sit with the, the person or, or say, Hey, I did this. And that in and of right. itself is this like extremely vulnerable thing to do. Yeah. Even if it's totally something that they'll, you think they'll love, you know, cause you, right, cause there's always, a, <laughs> there's always the potential for rejection. Of course. So- yes. You know, and, and what, there's not other than maybe, you know, I well, there, there's not much more kind of open and raw as a song mm-hmm. that's like has a lot of emotion in it. And then if somebody shoots that down or for some reason that doesn't resonate, you're like, oh, damn, like, <laughs> that was a miss. That was a miss. Um, luckily, I that I that hasn't happened to me personally. But, um, you know, the other thing I think that's interesting is. You know, people think, ask me a lot, like, is that autobiographical? Mm -hmm. And is that about, you know, this time, like, they kind of want always want to know, like, what's it about? And one of the things for me is, it is about, uh, nothing is ever just about one person, or one thing, one place. Yeah. Because we come at our experience from so many millions of moments that have made, you know, me who I am now. So if I were to take a song like on my record, the last song in the album is called Goodbye. Mm-hmm. And I was going, like I said, I was kind of going through a hard time when I came back from being away, trying to figure out how to reenter my life and had just stuff going on personally. And so I, there's a song, there's a line in it that says, days are long now so much longer than they ever used to feel. Um, I'm alone, but getting stronger. feels like I'm walking on a broken heel. Mm. It's a very, that's a painful line. Yeah, yeah. Painful. But that was like the, the only way for me to express. That's how it felt. Yeah. I was like, but okay, so walking on a broken heel, was that about missing somebody? Yes. Was that also about, you know, um, hearkening back to my past, a little bit of a violent, you know, like it's, it's some tough stuff growing up. And 
my father who died uh, when I was 27, um, like, it's not as simple as, oh, that line and that song, it's about missing somebody. It's also about, you know, um, my past mm -hmm. and reckoning with some things. And that's what I think is so interesting about songwriting is it's multidimensional. You're dealing with lyrics and melodies and colors and instruments. And depending on all these choices you make, you know, is the organ going to come in? Is it going to be a beautiful piano? Is it going to be a, you know, a slide guitar that has a whole nother feeling? All those choices and colors, you know, affect the feeling that, that the listener is going to have. I love that. It feels endless to me. Endlessly fa fascinating. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking too, you know, Bristol County Tides, you kind of set it up like you you left New York. There was this period of time, you're re-inspired, and it seems in a way, right, this is an album that's a bit of a time capsule. And then as we as you share and as we talk with you, well, it's also this confluence of how much else, you know, how many things outside of that place and that time are also included in that album. It's really, yeah. it's special, I think, to be able to, I mean, special in the way of, as, a, as people that listen to music closely, it's, it's really, it's nice to have those moments of saying like, yes, we can zoom in and we can take this as a moment. And we can also zoom out and take this as, you know, a check-in, yeah. a check-in along a timeline, a, a summation of what's happened so far. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think for me, what I started to feel from it, um, I mean, first of all, I was loving the slide guitars. I was loving oh, the slide guitar. Kind of what I assume was like a really dirty sounding Telecaster or something like that. I just the instrumentation I was fawning over. Um, well, let me just give a shout out. Don't lose your thought to Teddy Kumpelmite producer because he's just a god oh yeah he's like a god teddy if you listen to this <laughs> i'm just like i'm beyond blessed so he pulled it you know amazing yeah 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 shout, well, out to teddy. shout outs to teddy i loved it um but going off of what we've been talking about and like this being a time capsule um it does mm I mean, any anything an artist creates is the summation of their existence, right? Like what they when I put my pen right. to the paper, it's my lived experience coming out is how I'm interpreting it. Um, and what what's great about what we're talking about is we're all going through something right now that is historic, yeah. historically yeah. bad, and everybody is like turning inward and self-reflecting. And I think it's such a treasure that you were able to take that inward journey, self-reflection, and then put it out there in the world to share with people. Uh, again, going back Thank to the, the, multi, the, the ultimate humble thing to do is be vulnerable on a wide mm -hmm. platform. And I'm curious, like whenever this pandemic ends, listening back to this how like mm -hmm. time i think time is going to treat this record very well 
It's going to be a very interesting thing to watch age. Thank you. That I had two thoughts when you were talking. One is that, I mean, in a way, this is a pandemic album. Yeah. But the thing I was on a podcast, another podcast recently, and they were like, it's such a positive album. Mm -hmm. It's not just like depressing. I mean, you know, there are sad songs, there are sad moments, but it's actually, and I, I, I think in the, I said it before, the backdrop mm. of despair and death and suffering and isolation of the pandemic to be, for whatever reasons, um, you know, so inspired and awakened, which is what I was, it's a weird kind of juxtaposition. So you have this kind of, um, deadening in the world and an awakening mm -hmm. feel on the album you have a negative negativity an isolation and then a connectedness and a positive um so that's kind of comforting that that sometimes even in really adverse times or situations you can have these flowers grow i mean in one of the songs it's the a beautiful verdant tree mm -hmm. and the other thing is you know we've all this gives me sort of some comfort i guess you were talking about the pandemic that um, it's affected all of us. Like we have all been changed by this. And so that makes me feel less alone. Like what you went through is not what I went through, but like we've all been changed and had to like kind of figure out what the hell to do with uncertainty at that level. Yeah. And, um, you know, there's some sort of universal connection to that. Like if that's a shared experience, then that makes it feel less lonely, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, I think there was a lot of connection we didn't expect over the last year, and we're mm -hmm, going to be finding mm -hmm. out about it for a long time. You know, we're going to kind of totally rediscover those things, and it's going to be, it'll be a point of connection for a lot of people who have not even met yet. Yeah. And it's like, it's like one of the reasons I like sad songs is they make me feel less sad, ironically, like less lonely. Yeah. Like you have a really beautiful, sad song. It's like, oh, right. That, that's how I feel sometimes. And somebody else feels that too. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they just like wrote about it so beautifully. And so like, I'm not alone in the universe, actually. Oh yeah. <laughs> no, for sure. For sure. Um, can I ask too, uh, speaking of like what leads up to an album history, all that stuff, um, as a singer songwriter, someone who obviously expresses in their music and also has a deep appreciation, you know, for country music and, and the, mm -hmm. the related genres, um, yeah, roots, Americana. Yes. Whatever. Yes. There's so much of it. All country. Yeah. How did, how did, um, how did you find yourself like with the, your hooks in that music, you know? Um, because I also think you're, you're obviously more tapped in than us, but that's not a, a stronghold of New York music necessarily either. And, yeah. and you're a New Yorker like us. Um, and I, yeah, I'm curious, just the, the cliff notes version, you know, to getting there. Right. Arriving at the, that genre. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's, it's really just like what I listened to growing up. Mm -hmm. I was, um, was you know i have two older brothers i grew up outside of boston um i probably channel southern like springsteen or like a lot of people who are not from the south yeah, and they have yeah. a little bit of a, like twang in my you mm -hmm. know that i can't get away from because it's just like kind of inhabits me based on so much what i listen to so uh, you know 
albums like Car Wheels and a Gravel Road, Lucinda Williams, mm-hmm. or, you know, um, I mean, so much stuff. It's not even, you know, that, I listen to a lot of Stones. I listen to a lot of... But you had yes. folks in your life that it, that encouraged it, it sounds like, right? I yeah, mean, like, yeah. That's so, part of it. you know, partially it was like that my brothers and people I met who had good playlists that resonated, right? It's like, why do why are we drawn to what we're drawn to? Why do, why do we prefer Robert Redford to, 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 to Paul Newman <laughs> <Paul Newman, laughs> as, as freaking great as Paul Newman is? Um you know, like I just like this kind of this kind of music. That's what yeah. that's what's inside of me, um, and, and that's the the main thing I'm trying to do is just be true to what's inside of me. And like um, sometimes songwriting is getting out of the way. It's like, oh, okay, you you want to come out? Like, don't think too much. It's like a delicate balance between like holding the reins like enough, but not too tight. You know, like um kind of editing yeah. and doing the work that needs to be done to tighten and make it like good but um yeah also getting out of the way a little bit yeah that's a very good you know? good lesson i think for all the What about folks. you guys like if you i mean i'm going to put you on the spot <laughs> now and say like if you had to say i mean your favorite your favorite album could we do that is that just too hard is that too cruel <laughs> It is. We do it is too cruel. Uh, and Pat, could we do like with something that just had like, the biggest impact on you? So is I think probably, probably for Pat and I, we're always going to be, and for everyone who's into music, we're always going to be giving you one of them, right? It's like it's always what's one of them because it's, it's right. hard to have for me at least. I, I won't speak for you, Pat. It's hard to have the one, the the, the sort of magic bullet. Yeah. But um, I'll give you a funny, uh, maybe a kind of funny example. I've probably mentioned it on the show before, but it, it, for some, something about this seems like it's correct for this conversation. The full length album I've probably listened to the most in my life is the wallflowers bringing down the horse. And it's not like, I don't think artistically it's my most favorite album, but it came along at a point where it was really when I started to pick my own music and yeah. it has never fully left the rotation. So I've never had a year go by where I don't listen to that album through a couple of times. And I love that. And there's there's something about it where, you know, I also grew up outside of Boston, and there's a lot of a lot of classic rock in the air. I would describe it as that. It's like that seems to be a really yeah. permeate, like something that permeates all membranes. And yeah. something about the way that album is put together, you know, it's by the son of an all-time famous folk and rock artist, you know, right. Jacob Dylan is, is on, that's his band. And um, the, the influences that I think they all bring to that album, some stuff that's really straight out of 1997, like rock radio, but then other stuff that is harkens back, whether it's, you know, um, whether it's like a kind of older bluesy style, slackier sounding acoustic guitar solo, or it's like a Wurlitzer in the background, but there's stuff that they bring yeah, yeah. in there to that album, I think, that are not of its time. And in a way, and my dad, I grew, my dad uh, had me listening to country music growing up a lot, yeah, and a lot yeah. of country and folk. And so there was something where, yeah, I'm like, if I piece together elements that I like, it might add up to a wallflowers album, you know, uh, it's maybe not, it's maybe not the peak peak of any of them, but it's sort of like this crossroads 
of of some of that music, you know? I love that. I just, I feel like it's actually a really great thing. Like your, it's like your comfort album, yeah. like the one that you just keep, you, you know, that kind of like, just you spent so much time with like your blanket or something yeah, and yeah. you've got to return to. I mean, I would say for me, probably that's like Van Morrison moon dance. Uh-huh. I don't know. just like was on all the time when we were like having dinner right. or, um, uh, you know, blood on the tracks, Dylan, oh, yeah. you know, yeah. just, just two that like just so many hundreds of hours and like, yeah. you know, kind of feels like co- coming home or something mm-hmm. when you you know like when i put that on i'm gonna um, i'm gonna give a runner-up album too and i'm curious if have if, if you're familiar is um lyle lovett's road to ensenada which i'm i mean i'm not in, i'm not familiar with it as an album so i'm yeah, gonna have yeah. to go check and, it out it's um i'm gonna check it out it is also like a mid-90s album but um and i'm not i don't know everything that lyle's done exactly but I think it's a pretty good summation of if you want country music, but you like it to be interesting, he's all over the map on that album in a really fun, fun, playful way. And just what a voice. The guy's just got a beautiful way of approaching a microphone, I think. That's awesome. I'm going to have so much to do. (laughs) In addition, I'm going to have to listen to all your previous like, you know episodes because i'm so into you guys (laughs) oh thanks all right now you pat Pat, so yeah i don't i don't want to seem like i'm skirting the question um i have a hard time answering the question because for me it's an album for who i was at certain times Uh uh-huh and so if i was to say right now like in the like today i have no idea yeah but like looking back my parents got me that out of hell when I was a kid and <laughs> that album art blew my mind, but God, I love and then, you know, they gave me uh, a Led Zeppelin CD and I was like, what is this? This is incredible. <laughs> um, but oh. you know, I was a stubborn suburban teenager that was like, I'm only going to listen to pop punk. And it's like the cool, that's the cool thing. And I can't listen to anything else. And so there's a lot of self work, like self image, uh mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. via other artists um totally and i i can't answer the question because i know that i've always had small al- not small albums but moments of i didn't know you were allowed to do that with music and it like broadened yeah. my spectrum so i had a band director in middle school and high school that loved frank zappa and mm-hmm. would always he would for music class would have a sit down listen to a song and try try to write down all of the instruments we could hear mm. oh that's so cool it was awesome and uh mr whitford i know you're not listening but you were super cool because he would ride a motorcycle <laughs> and park it in the inside the school um <laughs> that's like definition of cool guy teacher <laughs> oh yeah yeah totally but i i only bring that up to say like that sort of set me off on this path of like always ingesting and always like taking in and so it's hard for me to name like a favorite album because at any given point i'm like obsessed with something that i don't and especially with the internet now like (laughs) got super into like brazilian samba music just because there's sounds i've never heard before there's melodies i've never heard before and why not like travel sonically 
and do it like that and yeah. like pull in everything yeah. I can. If, That's so if I was going to awesome. wrap that up in some sort of platitude, Pat, uh, it is like your favorite album is probably one you haven't heard yet. Yeah. You know, and yeah. it's like, get out there and find it. Oh, totally. Yeah. And then there are the songs I was just thinking about, you know, I've had the experience and uh, this on this record and other records where, sorry, I keep saying record. It's really <laughs> dates me album um, where it's like, I write the song and then there's some kind of heartbreak involved, mm. you know, and then it's just like almost impossible to listen to the song, uh-huh, uh-huh. which has been art on this record because it's like, you know, I just had did a live album release show mm. and had to, you know, re-inhabit yeah. all these songs, which, um, I mean, I guess I was going to ask the question, have you ever had an experience where like there was a song that was so like deep inside you in a relationship mm. or whatever, whatever. But then there was like, if there was a rocky time in your life or death or a breakup, and then you can't listen to the song again, like, like for a year I, I or like, I think I know what you're asking about. And I'm like too much of a sucker for uh, self flagellation, you know, that like, it, no song has ever risen to the point of I can't listen to it because I will always fall into the trap of listening to it again and getting like very, you know, overwhelmed right. or emotional. Like I, I never fully, I can never fully put anything in that category. But yeah, I mean, absolutely. Um, Pat and I have actually talked about a couple of years ago on a, a podcast. I, I talked about this song that reminds me of my mother and, you know, losing her. And that song oh. comes on at really happy times all the time. Like, it's just, it's an, wow. it's a sort of an unavoidable song sometimes. And there's a part of me that's like, I love that. I've made peace with it. I, yeah, I yeah. will, I know that sometimes I will be, you know, like watching a toilet paper commercial and start crying because this song is, you know, it's like, I, I, and that to me is hilarious. And was it, um, is it a John, is this like a John Prine thing I want to say, which is like, I know I've written the, the perfect song if I, if it's sad and I can laugh about it. Dude, I just, I, that's so weird. I just posted that on Twitter. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah, it's like, if, yeah, and it was, it had this like, I don't, I'm not on Twitter that uh-huh. much. I mean, I'm sort of trying to learn because I have this social media guy and I'm trying, you know, it's like <laughs> yes, just yes, getting, yes, yeah. getting the songs out there, whatever. But it had like, 130 likes people went bana- yeah, bananas yeah. about it because it was that john prine quote yeah like um if something that should make me cry i write and it makes me laugh then i've like done something right or whatever mm-hmm, it's a great mm-hmm. quote i don't remember. it's I should, perfect i should have it but like that's my written. relationship with that song now you know it's like oh uh, yeah it's yeah. it's usually funny now to me when I hear it, <laughs> but it's like it's sad you know yeah <laughs> well right it's kind of like what they say about comedians Mm -hmm. right like you look at robin williams you look at so many comedians that what's the just it's like the other side of the coin that's so closely related you have like the the darkness and the light sort of sad clown um archetype you know is yeah is there um and yeah yeah but as long as we can try and keep laughing about stuff for sure yeah yeah Um, Yeah, uh pat are there any songs you've thrown in a drawer to forget about uh i was that entire time i was trying to think and it definitely happened in college over a 
relationship and I don't know what band it was. So I assume it was some like MySpace band. Uh, <laughs> and there, you know, it, it was just a, you know, you're in college, you think you're an adult and really looking back mm-hmm. on it, you're like, what a stupid thing to get upset about. Like, I can't <laughs> listen to that song because it's our song. What a dumb, silly little thing to get upset about. It's not, it's not it's so real. much that for me. It's more like it's actually just so emotionally powerful yeah. and evocative of a time that if I'm still trying to mend, I can't. It's like, oh, that's that hurt. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I might be proje- That's more I might time, be more yeah. I might be more projecting on what that that individual <laughs> moment in time for me right, is. Right, right. Um, like for me during the pandemic, I listened to cuz my daughter was playing at a time. Mm-hmm. The, the the Taylor Swift what was it folklore? folklore album? Yeah. Yeah, it's not something that I would normally listen to, but it was just on a lot. Yeah. So that song, the Bonnie Iver one, Bon Iver, how do you pronounce mm-hmm. his name? Exiled or, you know, uh, anyway, like there are two or three songs from that album because it's so evocative of, of a very still raw, intense time for yeah. me that not a ba- like good, right. but the mix of this, I just can't like put that on yet yeah right. i can't hear that album i need more space yeah, i need yeah, more distance. absolutely there you know was uh an album that was super important to me and it was brand news the devil and god are raging inside me and it was produced with such an energy and like sonic spectrum and just in wait who's it by this band called brand new um okay and it was important to me for a very long time and then uh three or four years ago uh unfortunately came out that um the front person of the band had sexually abused minors and which obviously is a horrible thing and i have this vinyl record sitting on my shelf and you know even the art i loved and which found it so fascinating and Mm. that it went into the bin and it that was like a very hard thing to do because because of that connection, well, it wasn't a hard thing to do. I was like, that's what has to be done. That is, I know that is what no, I have I to do. Um, but it took time to sort of reconfigure my thinking about it, where it was, that was very important to me. And now mm-hmm. there will be new things that will be important to me. Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. right. I mean, that is the beautiful thing, right? There's Even when it doesn't feel like it, there's always going to be the new inspiration, the thing that, you know, yeah. that person or that song that makes, you know, your heart race a little yeah. where you're like, ooh. Yeah. Um, oh, I love it. Yeah. Annie, thank you so much for talking with us. This has really been such a joy. Um, oh, such a pleasure. Really, I'm really jealous. Nice. I want to do it. <laughs> I want to do this with you guys. Yeah. It's really fun. Yeah. It's great. I wish I, I, wish I could to do this podcast more it's great oh awesome. thanks oh, thank you anyway i'm gonna go back and listen to all your previous episodes <laughs> and, and learn about a ton of music yeah that's so and nice. just to, if people do want to you know the it, the album is on the usual mm-hmm. everywhere spotify Apple, as you guys know downloading is way better because um yep. you know a hundred thousand streams will buy me a donut so <laughs> um if you want to keep supporting artists Bandcamp is a really good good we place we're big band yeah a lot heads. of us have our stuff there you can listen but then if you love a song you know go ahead and buy that dang song you know 
Buy the dang song. Buy the album um, while you're at it. Buy yeah. the album. Yeah, <laughs> get not? the whole damn thing. Um, we also, this season, you know, we're donating a few bucks for every episode uh, to a... Oh, yeah. To a foundation or nonprofit of our guest choice. And yeah, Annie, what did you want to throw some money at this week? Well, you know, it's funny. I used to, I don't, I didn't say this, but I, I worked with nonprofits for like 12 years, 15 mm-hmm. years before I started doing music full time. So I could have rattled off, you know, I did civil liberty, li- liberties and reproductive rights and mm-hmm. environmental justice. But the thing that's truly close to my heart and my home away from home now is a place called Jalopy um, Theater and School of Music. And they just do a ton of incredibly important, interesting things. They're in Red Hook, Brooklyn, and mm-hmm. I'm on the board of directors. And like many venues, they're, they've been struggling to keep the doors open and the lights on throughout yeah. all of this. So uh, they're a nonprofit too. So it's, it's tax deductible and it's just a magical place. It's my favorite venue and um, they, they do incredible teaching. I teach there um, of uh, young people and older people. Um, so that would be the one on my mind today. I love Jalopy. it. I love it. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for yeah, sharing that with yeah, us. That's really um, great. Yeah. And get down there and check it out. That uh, sunny too is another amazing little oh, spot yeah. in, in, oh, yeah. you know, in Brooklyn, we got to support these little places so they don't, you know, so they stay alive for sure. For sure. We'll be donating a few bucks and anyone listening, please um, look up Jalopy. Please donate if you can help, help keep these places uh, in our city, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Finally, Annie, I want to know where can people just generally keep up to date with you? You have a website that people can go to? Yeah, yeah. It's just um www.annie like the musical mm-hmm. Keating K E A T I N G dot com. Yeah, and we'll link to yeah. that um in the episode post. Uh you can also check her out on Twitter at Annie Keating NYC or Instagram Annie.keating. And um that's all the stuff. You can follow us at repeater.show or at repeater show. Our URL is repeater.show, but at repeater show on Instagram and Twitter. And um, yeah, la- finally, just Annie again, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you us. so much. What this a, is a delight. What a dang treat. My pleasure. Yeah. My pleasure. Thank you so much. Uh, I can't wait to check out all your stuff and, you know, thank you. Learn, learn about more music. Yeah. Awesome. Hey, and everybody out there, Take Annie's lead. Check out more stuff. Listen to more episodes of this podcast. Subscribe to it if you enjoy it. We really do appreciate um, all the subscribers and any of the feedback. And until next time, hit repeat. Repeater is hosted by Evan Ford Barden and Patrick Cartelli. Visit us online at repeater.show for live dates, hot music tips, and show archives. Theme music by The Sun Lions. Everything else by Love Nest Productions. Welcome to Repeater. Okay. I love it.